life. This is your life. Right now is your life. Life is about right now. Live and live are spelled the same way. In order to live, you must be live. Right now. And it is a journey. The past so will not equal the future no. unless you give the past permission. You are the sum total of your dominant thoughts and decisions. Yes, you are. So, a little birdie told me that you have an out of control sexual behavior of some sort. Pornography, masturbation, fanatization, or some kind of unhealthy sexual behavior. A little birdie also told me that it's starting to get the best of you. And it's not okay anymore. That's good news. It not being okay. Because that's the beginning of how you can change it. We're going to have an adult grown folk conversation about behaviors, attitudes, decisions, choices, actions to become healthy. Becoming healthy is a journey. It's not a one and none. It's not like this sexual addiction BS that you do where you just get all excited, you do this and then you blast one. Now, it requires a lot more work than that. It's strategic. It's taking steps. It's reflection. It's looking inside. It's being introspective. It's deciding that you want a better life for yourself. That's what this is about. My name is Joseph F. Price. They call me Joey P. I'm going to be your host in this journey. I'm going to be your partner in this dance. We're going to do this together. We're going to become better people together. You are going to have sexual mastery. You are going to have mastery in your life. Yes, you are. You're going to be a better person. You're going to be somebody that you can be proud of. You're going to be somebody that even your mama can be proud. But it's not going to come free. You're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to do some reflection. I'm going to give you some tools. I'm not going to do it all on my own. I'll bring some guests. They'll give you the good stuff. But here's what you got to do. Take this as a journey, a journey that you get better each and every day, a journey that we don't stop until we figured out how to do it and we become invincible. Yeah, we can become invincible to our pornography, at sexual behaviors and unhealthy other addictions. You just got to understand how it works. You got to understand how you, your mind is making you its bitch. No self-bitching, y'all. No self-bitching. But you're the bitch of your mind. And so this work that we're going to do, 
It's about neutralizing that and you becoming the victor. You becoming the master. You becoming the man that you're supposed to be. That's what I'm talking about. So if that's something that interests you, if that's something that you want to do, then let's do that together. It ain't a one and done. It's a journey. So let's begin. Joseph F. Price here. Good afternoon, everybody. Everybody, good afternoon. Good afternoon. I tell you, um, I got a great guest here. Um, his name is Jason. I'm going to bring him on in a moment. Uh, real exciting guy. Um, actually, a success of all that we talk about. And what we do and this work that we do, this is about reversal. This is about 2,500 hours plus that you worked yourself into an addiction and the process of recovery in its simplest form is a reversal of that. That would be the easy way to put it, but it's a little bit more than that. It's 250 addictions that you got to get rid of and whole bunch of other stuff but yeah in in the simplest form it really does come down to uh reversal of what you uh once did and understanding that that reversal process takes a while also understanding that your addiction is not just pornography addiction it's also masturbation uh they bounce off of each other and um you have to uh take them both on uh extremely aggressively so uh, one of the things that I like to do is uh, it's easy for me to talk about recovery. It's easy for me to, 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 to bring concepts to you. It's easy for me to get excited and uh, do these mini skits where I think I'm funny and I'm not really funny, but I think I'm funny and all that stuff like that. Sometimes you just hearing somebody just like you uh, that makes all the difference. So what I did today was I brought uh, on scene um, not only a friend of mine, uh, but a, a brother in Christ and a guy that I've been able to help. And not only have I been able to help him, uh, he's been able to help me. And he also decided to take some of his time to share um, his journey, his story, and what recovery looks like. Uh, we're gonna talk about the struggles of recovery. We're gonna talk about eye-opening experiences. We're gonna just try to give you a glimpse in his life. Uh, he, I consider him successful in the recovery game, knowing that the recovery game is continuous, uh, but I do consider him uh, one that's playing the recovery game at a very successful level. Uh, and that's why I brought him on actually. I, I'm trying to get him to become a coach one of these days. I guess uh, I'll be able to talk him into it one of, one of these days. Mr. Jason, uh, it's time for you to say hello, sir. Good afternoon. How you doing? Good evening, Joe. I'm good. And uh, great to be here as a guest on your show. It's the first time I've ever done a podcast. So um, take it easy on me. And oh, yeah. Through. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, it's it's kind of like my coaching sessions. I mean, you know, I tell I. Uh, were they hard or, you know, was, was that hard? I was nervous at first, but you made it easy. Uh, yeah, you do make it easy. <laughs> yeah, it's the, it's the same thing. That same thing's going to happen today. It really is. Right, it's going to happen great. today. 
So uh, if I will, you know, I'm going to just kind of get to know you a little bit more uh, and let the uh, the guests get to know us. So um, you're actually five hours different from me. You're on the actual Greenwich Mean Time. And in my international life, uh, I talk to people with all different time zones. So I, I've grown to just pretty much use uh, GMT as a standard. And uh, yeah. where, where are you, uh, Jason? I'm in uh, Great Britain, uh, United Kingdom, Wales, the good sunshine coast of Britain. Not. <laughs> it mostly rains here, but yeah, GMT, Greenwich Mean Time. So just going on eight o'clock time right now. Okay. And tell me about, um, tell me about your age, marriage, kids. So um, 48 years of age and um, close to 50. Just looking forward to that soon in a couple of years, two years' time. Um, married 20 years this April. So my wife and I celebrate 20 years. We're doing a little trip together away, just the two of us. We have two little daughters who are growing up quite well, who are 11 and 14. And I've just come back this evening doing uh, martial arts with them. They're doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu just so they can have that bit of confidence in themselves and look after themselves if need be. Ultimately, God looks after us all in our family, but um, just to give them that confidence more. So I've just come back from there with my two daughters. So yeah, two daughters, um, beautiful wife um, that loves me and I love her. We love our children. And I would like to say, she would say the same thing that uh, she loves me. We love our children and we do have a great life. Great. And on a great day. Now, tell me about your upbringing. What uh, kind of neighborhood? Uh, how many brothers and sisters uh, did your mother and father stay together? So, um, I wouldn't call it an upbringing. I would probably say a dragging up. <laughs> but I have one older brother and two older sisters. Um, all have the same mother and father. My dad left before I was born. Uh, my brother was two and a half, my sister three and a half, my other sister was four and a half, and I was six months in my mother's belly. And um, so I was brought up with a stepdad, and which of which we thought was our real dad until, um, as I say, our, our lives seemed normal as kids. Um, there was arguments with mum and dad or stepdad, but we didn't know at the time. There was alcoholism in there. There were drinkers, there were smokers. Um, life just seemed normal growing up. We knew no different. But um, my mum was diagnosed at a young age. I was probably nine years of age. She diagnosed with breast cancer initially. And over two years, having breast removed, it moved from breast cancer to cervical cancer. And by the age of 11, stroke 12, that I was, um, I lost my mum at a young age. And my brother was 14, 15, something like that. And the day my mum died was the day I found out the man that was bringing us up with my mum wasn't even my real dad. So it was a, it was the worst EastEnders show you can imagine multiplied by 100, if those know what EastEnders is, the worst show ever in British broadcasting. But yeah, it was, it was my world was turned upside down in one instance, knowing that my mum's gone forever and the man that brought me up was a stranger because we just told it was our stepdad, not a real dad. And my real dad left before I was born, didn't want us. So yeah, that was the major trauma, I would say. And it caused um, physiological impact on me because I ended up having my first asthma attack 
around the same time. So never was I with asthma. I was a good sports person, did gymnastics in school, rugby in school. So yeah, it was, it, it impacted me, but not realizing because I didn't know who to turn to. I met with a head teacher in school one day and she said, sorry to hear your mum died. If there's anything we could do, I'm not going to do it. But as an 11, 12-year-old boy, first year of high school, it was not the thing I did, knocking on a teacher's door and say, I need help. So I drifted through life. Well, I got yeah. news for you. I got news for you. Because um, it's not something that I really have pursued to 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 to, to involve myself as work. But in as far as like something that I learned a, a lot about grief, grief's a very complicated uh, animal, if you will. And I also find that most people they don't know how to do grief. And 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 I would say it this way: most people suck at how they do grief. And I would invite them to uh, look at some of the resources that are available to help them learn about the grief process because. Grief is somewhat just like the addiction process where there's a lot of stuff that you would come up with to try to deal with it that makes sense. But that's the very stuff that's the worst thing that you could possibly do. It's yeah. just one of those things, unfortunately. So um, was that about the time when you first started getting into pornography or? Yeah, right about that because uh, my dad was a well-read person of stepdad should I say, and he liked reading uh, books, novel books, uh, books that were from uh, Africa with semi-naked women on the front cover. So uh, in that culture, it's the norm to see women's breasts. But for me, it was quite a new thing to see such a thing. So I remember seeing visual, it, it wasn't a pornography book, but it was this visual, my gosh, there's a naked woman or semi-naked woman, there's a breast there. And it, it, it erased something in me for sure. So th that's one of the earliest memories I have of seeing um, naked breasts. And I think it intrigued me. And well, like you say, when, when you're dealing with the emotions of grief, you're in denial. You can't accept that your mum's gone and things. You can't talk about these things that you're supposed to be nurtured by your mum and by your dad. And so I didn't really have the confidence to go and talk to him about what I'd seen on his book, and then it progressed to see more visual aid. In my day, like I'm, I say I'm 47, 48, sorry, uh, videos, I would never have got a video, um, but it was more like a magazine that would have come along the pass with school friend introducing me or something. So it, it was then magazine. I never bought one, but I was able to obtain one somehow when I was younger. So that was definitely an early stage of being exposed to this pornography that I've had to live and deal with, work it out, go on a journey with you and go on a journey with some of the guys. And being open about it has been the, the bestest thing um, to talk about it openly like now, talk it openly to other guys in my church, it's not a thing that's talked in church much, but it should be because men struggle with it. Women struggle with it and we need to support each other. And this is what's great with I've done life with you, Joe, over the, this last year. It's just been great to be open and transparent. I've fallen. You've supported me. I feel weak. You support me. And that's what we're doing with the other guys. And that's what we do with some of my friends that I talk with. Well, let me ask you this. Um, okay, so 
it's funny that you brought up and not funny i mean peculiar funny um the magazine that you're talking about and and you know um uh yeah it's called national geographic because i actually used to look at that magazine as well uh i didn't know what was going on uh for the exact same reasons that you're talking about so basically what we're confirming is that our parents inadvertently uh yeah. provided our first exposure to porn uh subsequently in my case I, I i bumped into some magazines and then it it took on another life of its own so what was the second step uh if you will from the national geographic what happened there um you yeah within within a a year or two of my mum dying my stepdad had uh, married this this woman um with four prominent children and they were both alcoholics my dad and this woman they were drinking every day seven days a week you know bringing parties back to the house they would be men and women um orgies not that we saw the orgies but they'd be lying on the floor in the living room where my brother and myself got to go to school the next morning we see a man kissing my new mother on the bottom of the stairs and her breasted out. And we, we'd see this on top of the stairs as young boys. And we're like, what's she doing? This is my new mum. And I'm thinking, this is not right, surely. And we tell our dad about our stepdad and he was in denial of it, you know? So that, that was another part of it. And then you, because of their drinking issues, two years down the line of them being married, they wasn't paying the, the utilities, the gas, electricity, rent. And within two years, they owed thousands of pounds. And it, it resulted in letters being sent to the house that my stepdad and new mum, they didn't answer to the mail. And then we got kicked out, we got evicted. So I was homeless. Mm. And in, um, in doing that, me and my brothers and sisters, we were homeless. My auntie decided to, tried to pay the arrears to the council um because we had a council uh, house that we had and she said listen i'll pay for the the arrears that their stepfather was an alcoholic who didn't pay these bills i'll pay for them just keep the children there and they'll be the tenants and they said his name is on the tenancy agreement we can't just change the tenancy agreement with children and so on that day i was homeless as well uh, my brother as well who was about 15 16 and then my auntie decided to take me into her home but that was another story because little did I not know that um, her husband, he was, yeah, he had pornography videos that I got exposed to as well. And okay. so, so yeah, Jason, it was like another kind of worms then. Yeah, so Jason, we did have like a pre-meeting. I'm 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 joking with you, so don't take this like I'm being serious. So oh, we had a. Uh, <laughs> We had a meeting earlier that, about uh, short answers, Jason. Um, but I let you ramble because, you know, what was funny is as you were rambling, you were doing so much work for me. Uh, so it was beautiful. And what I'm pointing out is the generational effect of porn. It always shows up in multiple generations and it has a way of uh, coming from a, another generation down to you. And it also comes down to you from the exposure of adults in your life, which is exactly why I keep saying over and over again, if we can get these men healthy, then we actually yeah. change generations and bloodlines. 
and we don't have kids that are exposed to things that actually change their entire lives around. Um, yeah, so if you would, as you evolve through your uh, pornography experience. Um, so tell me how, it, if you can, tell me about steps and how it progressed. And then tell me about the day, I call it the day of reckoning. That's just like my own language too. A day that a person gets that porn isn't working for them, whether they're forced to get it because their wife finds out or they're forced to get it because their equipment doesn't work or they're forced to get it because, you know, they get the fear of God that comes into them. So if you would uh, take it over. Yeah. Um, from the age of 16, um, having a loss of a mum, a, a role model that every child needs, both girls and boys need their mum, uh, need their dad, need that nurturing that's there, guiding them through the, the sexual desires, sexual preferences, whatever you want to call it, you know, uh, the experiences, the question marks of what is life about and things. And I, I, I ended up being promiscuous from the age of 16, 17. And at 16, 17, I just started going to church. Um, I was virgin, a group called Teen Challenge. They look out for young kids on the streets. They talk to you about God. They turn young people's lives around. And I, my life changed at 16. I became a Christian. And then I met a girl in church and she wanted to give me her, her, yeah, her virginity and vice versa. And I'm like, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. The Bible says keep sex within marriage. That's all I knew as a law, but didn't have an understanding. So it became promiscuous. The relationship lasted two years. I felt guilty, felt shamed. I felt like this is hypocritical, going to church, but yet you have sex with a girlfriend. But from that age on, 16, 17, the relationship didn't work out. After two years, she was cheating on me. And then there was another reject in the family, in my, in my life, the rejection. And I thought, you know what? I, I walked away from church, walked away from God, thought people in church are hypocrites. And then I ended up in relationship after relationship after relationship, looking for love, but really confusing love with lust. And we, I know now, having studied scriptures, there are four different kinds of loves that I, I study. There is the uh, agape love of God, the philandre, which is mum and dad love, the eros, which is sexual, and these different kind of loves, they were just getting messed up in my mind. And I was just looking at women as sex objects, not, not in a bad way, in a purposeful relationship that becomes sexual. But really, I'm looking for a love that was a, a, a love of a mother. I never had that. And then after many relationship failures, not, not badly, not for any reason, the girl says, I'm not in love anymore. I see I'm not in love anymore. It breaks off neutrally. And it's mutual, there's you know no hard feelings towards it, just the hurt of breaking up. And then I just prayed one day, God, I'm never gonna ask you to go out again. God said to me, You never learn to be a friend to a girl. You never learned. You looked at the outward appearance, you was attracted to it. Before long, you both were in bed together. And a consensual. I'm not talking about wrong sexual things, I'm talking about both. Adults now in my twenties, my thirties, in consensual relationship to sexual um, intercourse and things, and they just it just wasn't happening. But God said, "You never learn to be a girl, uh, a friend to a girl. 
You're always looking at the physical, which is the eros, the sexual. And he just said, learn to be that. And so I made a vow to God. I would never ask a girl out again. Um, the girl that I have in life is the woman I want to marry. She needs to know about my past. She needs to know about my skeletons, my relationships, all of these things. So two years, I kept myself to myself and in a relationship with God, going strong, having walked away from him and doing all the promiscuity and all the other addictions like drugs and alcohol, um, clubbing, fighting, all the things that is just sinful. And then I got married. Uh, my wife and I have been married 20 years. We met as friends. I was not getting my emotions involved and I kept it right. I kept it good. For two years, we kept ourselves before we got married. But I told her everything about my life, but I was ashamed of talking about, I had to deal with this thing called pornography. I had to deal with this thing called masturbation. I felt ashamed about that. I told her about the drugs. I told her about the girlfriends. I said, my life has been dealt with. Drugs are sorted out, the drinking sorted out, the clubbing. I've got no desires for those things. I'm walking good with God. And she said, you're the man I want to marry. I'm not marrying your past. And then Mary come. We had a great marriage, still have a great marriage. And then suddenly there was triggers, imagery or something. And suddenly it was secrecies of, oh, why am I looking at this pornography? And I'm praying to God, God, take this from me. Uh, I can't do it in my own strength. And as I, I wasn't able to do it in my own strength to stop doing what I was doing, it was getting stronger and stronger, the desires. And then um, I was praying to God, God, if, if, if I can't stop this, then expose me. Let my wife find out. And then one day she found out through the iPad that I was watching the pornography on at home whilst there was nobody around. She, my wife would be in bed or something. And she just stumbled across the, um, the history on the webpage. And she challenged me and she said, what's this? She looking at pornography. And I just said, I'm sorry, I've struggled with this. I've been wanting to tell you for years. Uh, it's not great that you know, I'm glad you know. She said, glad. I said, listen, I've struggled and, and, and I, I, can't, I can't be like this. And I don't want to be like this. And so she's come on this journey with me and she's introduced me to some great materials, some books that helped me to understand man alive. These are all issues through trauma that I didn't realize I had in young life and not knowing how to deal with it. The thoughts, the triggers, the defaults, the things that set these emotions and feelings to want to go and do. And, and Joe's helped to understand this. It's not just pornography. It could be any kind of addiction, but it's just sin in God's eyes. In my eyes, in my wife's eyes, it's just sinful nature. And we have got to say no to it. And it's, it is a journey. And my wife's on that journey with me. So I thank God for that, you know. So, yeah, now, it, was, it was a scary moment. I think I could have lost my marriage, my children and everything. Tell me about the day of reckoning, that, that, that magical day when that ain't working no more. It's time to go a different way. Tell me about that day. Yeah, this this been obviously the reality of I'm not just hurting myself yeah it might be pleasure for a moment and the Bible talks about you know the sin is pleasurable but it's for a moment you know and the consequence of sin is death and I thought man I'm gonna lose my wife I'm gonna lose my children I'm gonna be a failure like my real dad uh, and again I haven't even mentioned my real dad he's been married four times 
and he's got sexual problems because to be married four times with nine children by four different wives, you know, um, I've had to try to support him without him realizing that you've got to love your children because your children are suffering, but yet they don't know love and you don't know love. And so I try and tell him about God and I've reconciled a relationship from 32 years of age onwards, but I don't want to be in a place where I'm marrying once, twice, three times. So I've made a vow to God and my wife that I want to be married once and for life. And I've got two beautiful daughters. I'm not throwing that away. So I'm I'm here to fight my problems, my sinful nature, call it pornography, call it whatever it is, addictions. Um, I'm here to fight for my family because my life, well, I, I, I wouldn't want to imagine without them. And, and, and there's been some great moments reading great materials about chemical thoughts that, you know, I was talking to Joe some, some weeks ago now, but you get a social media message come through and automatically you've got this drive to go and pick up, see who it is that's messaging you, what's the message, what's the email, what's the Facebook, what's the WhatsApp, what it is. And suddenly you get this, I said to Joe, I can't explain what it is, but I said, it's like this chemical rush that rushes to my brain and I've got to go and answer it. And I said, I've learned to say no to the instant messages that's coming through, the social media platforms that we might use. And I've learned, oh my gosh, there's a, a flooding of chemical emotion going through the back of my head, my brain, that's telling me you don't have to go to that. And it was all innocent. It's, it's just simple email from work. It's a simple email, uh, WhatsApp from the uh, a ch church group. And, and it was nothing bad, but I've learned to identify that emotion and that chemical flood that goes rushing to the brain. And I'm like, I'm in control of that. And we spoke about it, Joe and I, and it was in the book as well by uh, a lady called Paula, um, confronting porn. And it's about, uh, what was that chemical called, Joe? We were talking oh, about. Oh, you know, it's dopamine. Dopamine. Five the the rush. Yeah. Note, note, note here. It's uh, dopamine, uh, endorphins, neuroprenepine, oxytocin, uh, vasopressin. Uh, we produce endogenous opioids, uh, something that's uh, uh, close to uh, adrenaline. All that's produced through the PMO which comes from masturbation, uh, pornography, and uh, orgasm. So that's really the chemical addiction is all of those neurochemicals. So yeah, porn pornography really is an addiction and you've gotten used to those chemicals and your body does everything that it possibly can do to trick you into watching porn, jacking off and orgasm so that you can provide your body with those neurochemicals. So if you would turn your camera on, I told you to turn your camera off on purpose because the day that a person actually turns their camera on in life and turns their the light on to their uh, pornography addiction is actually the day that their prediction, their pornography addiction goes away. So if you would demonstrate that in the flesh, Mr. Jason, I'd greatly appreciate it. So with that, if you would uh, talk about some of the steps that you took from the day of reckoning to recovery to where you are and, and knowing that recovery it, it's really something that it, it exists for the rest of our life. At the beginning of that process, it's heavy duty. 
and then it, it it what happens is then it's about us becoming a better person because a better person is a link to recovery and then it's not so much about dealing with the pornography issues it's about continuously being engaged in the process of being a better person and in this mix is growing up um so if you would tell me Absolutely. about how you did that and what you did and so on and so forth yeah it, it was it was the many many years ago when my wife first found out she said you got to deal with it and so we spoke to the pastor of the church and the pastor of the church said you know you're not alone it's a man thing it's a woman thing don't feel guilty don't feel ashamed that's what the devil wants um, we're here to support you and pray you guys so we were accountable for a season and then things were good and then i fell back into it again um many years later and then uh, my wife um she found out again and this was the second time she said you need to deal with this on a professional level all right you hold that thought hold that thought and continue with the story but i i do want to do want to jump into that part of the story and and really like dissect what had actually happened uh, as you're telling the story. So what actually happened at that point was that you realized that you need to do something and then you tried to exercise a whole bunch of willpower uh, that got you to some success, but willpower being a muscle that actually, uh, how should I say it? It gives way eventually. It gave way on you because uh, you didn't have any tools. And you rinsed and repeated for a while and you had an encouraging wife that encouraged you to continuously find the tools so i'm kind of dissecting what you did so continue with your story sir sorry about that unpleasant interruption <laughs> no worries so it, it was it was the the my wife was at the point on this second occasion many years later was if you don't deal with it then i'm leaving and that was like the biggest eye opener. I'm like, I cannot do life like this. And I cannot do life without you. I need help. So she works for a great organization and um, that helps families. Um, so they give me some resources that I took on serious. And the book I've been reading is a book called Confronting Porn by a lady called Paula. She's a psychologist, she's a counselor. She's been working in this industry sector for many years and a fantastic Christian woman. And so I've been reading this book and it just opened up my eyes. It, they, they were the tools that I didn't realize that they were gonna help and support me on my journey to, to get into where I am today, you know? And the fact that my wife is there on a journey with me and she had some support and counseling because it's not my life I'm just hurting. It was my wife that was hurting as well. And there's material for wives as well who were in a recovery process of dealing with their husbands with these things or their partners with these things. So she had great support as well. And, and you can stop there. I uh, kind of changed my mind about that. The organization you're talking about is the Naked Truth. Uh, they're available at nakedtruthproject.com. Uh, I happen to do uh, some training with them. Uh, as well. Go ahead, Jason. No, it's good. It's good. Um, uh, guys like myself, Joe, come on to this course. And it's not just the course, it's just about being vulnerable. 
and it's a relief to see and know that other people are struggling because when you're dealing with it you think it's just you you think you're alone you think you're isolated and the devil loves that because he keeps it in secret and that's his power keeping it secrets keeping it in darkness and you are just going to go down a rabbit hole and it's just you on your own and if i continued in that manner that's what would happen i would be alone i would be in darkness um but thankfully my wife has gone on this journey with me and the support she's got is that jason is on a process he is on a journey he will be dealing with this he may fail he might go over hurdles he might be successful for periods but when he fails if he fails you're there with grace and that's been a beautiful thing to know that my wife has got grace for me and love for me unconditionally and that's that's blimey that's a lifeline in itself but the materials and my wife combined together with Joe's support and the team of people and a group of people that we've gone on this journey with helping each other now let's talk about your your wife for a minute i mean i don't want to dwell too much on that because that's not my area of expertise as in betrayal trauma but um how did she feel about it and most of the time why i'm touching on it like for wives it's uh the the, the thing that really bothers them uh about the pornography use is not necessarily the pornography use it's about the fact the husband doesn't have any authority over the bad habit and he hopes that he doesn't do it and he keeps getting caught and that traumatizes the wife and so on and so forth so how did, how did that work for you for my wife um speaking about it she felt betrayed um she felt there was adultery because i'm looking at other women lustfully and so if you look at a woman lustfully the bible says you've committed adultery in your heart so from a scripture point of view she felt like you know she'd been betrayed that there was adultery being done um she felt dirty not worthy she felt like what's wrong with me so she had this complex then that it was her but i was saying to her before i met you i was dealing with these issues so i'm having to reinstall to her a trust so there was lots of things i had to do to instill trust so being accountable to her um what about the lies though what about the lies because i mean lies come because of what i just been saying you bite off more than you can chew so inevitably you're gonna lie and and i don't yeah. i'm not trying to make that discount no, no, no. but that's how it is you try to do something you can't do something oh what am i gonna do lying is about the only thing you can do unfortunately yeah. or so, so tell in, the truth in, and get help exactly and in 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 it wasn't it, it's lying in my wife's eyes but in my eyes it was I'm too ashamed to tell you. Yeah, yeah. In my eyes I'm scared senseless to know the outcome if you find out about this thing that I'm dealing with and I'm feeling guilty and shameful about but I don't know how to deal with it. I don't know how to overcome this. Um I I've, I've tried and it's not the easiest thing to overcome. And so the 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 she felt betrayed and she felt lied to and she felt the whole marriage was just a fake mm -hmm. because I've been dealing with it for so long she said and in me I had to find a way to say it's not you she is beautiful and I love her 
that marriage has not changed. My love to her has not changed. It's just these desires to want to look at these pornography imageries that are not my wife, and I'm putting that in place of my wife. Then she just did not feel first place. She felt betrayed and she felt lied to. And, it, and that's the simple truth. You can't hide that. That is exactly what she felt, you know. And then, you know, at a certain point in time, it, 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 for you, like your desire is, again, it's not about that you wanted to look at these images. It's about those images were part of the template in the masturbation quest. So that's why you kept falling yourself back into that until you, you figured out a way to actually dually attack both of them. Yeah, so, so it, it, is, it is not about the woman on the image. It isn't the fact that my wife has big breasts, small breasts. Um, it's, it's not the fact that I'm trying to find that that my wife hasn't got. It was more so the release, the 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 the, the ejaculation, the masturbation, that release. That's your coping strategy, your go-to. That's your that's your everything for everything, or when at a certain point in time. Exactly. So that's that's the point whereby getting the materials and the resources that I've been reading and for yourself, it was identifying one of the triggers, one of the defaults and removing those triggers, those obstacles before they actually come. So go to bed early, good habits, turning your phone off, putting your phone somewhere else that your wife can be accountable to it. And so if, you, if you're on social media, switch it off. I, I, I've said goodbye to a lot of social medias and, and, and they were, they were just, simple Instagram pages that I had, but yet the images that would pop up, they were just triggered off in a thought. And and it wasn't looking for pornography. It was just simple people posting, posting, posting. And also it'd be a beach poster of a woman in a bikini. And that sets off a trigger. So I've, I've like, you know what? Social media is a big, huge play. And so I've kissed her out to a lot of social media. And my my phone we put a lot of privacy settings in it. My phone, I give it to my wife if she wants to check the history. It's all there. So they're little tools that I put in place to safeguard me and to give security to my wife. And we go for walks and we talk about things. And she asks me how I'm doing. And I'm saying, I'm doing good, but I'm feeling stress. Stress was one of my triggers. And so she would encourage me. You're stressed, you're doing good, keep going good, you're going good. So those stresses would be relieved by just talking about. And then everyday stresses, finances, business, children, marriage, it could be any of those stresses that when you're under those stresses, I buckled. When I'm under those stresses, I fell to the default setting of looking at pornography. So trying to make myself a lot more accountable by doing these little tips has been a great help. Going to bed early, exercising a new habit forming new neurological habits so that the brain is doing away with the old and bringing new patterns so exercising a lot more five days a week and healthy mind healthy body so i'm in the gym i'm listening to worship i'm listening to some good teaching materials so i'm benefiting physically spiritually my wife is loving the fact that i'm doing something good and it's a new form of habit it's Let me ask you this. Are you finding that you're connecting with people more nowadays than you were before? I mean, you are. I already know the answer to the question, but I just want to hear it from you. Give me some examples. I'm going to do it that way. Yeah. Um, I, I've been thankful to 
get around a lot of guys. You see how predictable this stuff is? Like when you're healing, I already know what you're doing. Like if you weren't healing, then I would know what you were doing. And it's it's predictable. It's really predictable. So go ahead and tell me what you're doing. I'm sorry. Yeah, so I've been able to go to um, a night out with one of the guys, been friends for over 20 years um, from church. And um, when, when, when it came out that my wife knew, and I'm on this counseling journey, and I'm on this journey of recovery. Um, I was able to tell him. And he said, Jay, honestly, you look like you've got it all together. And my marriage is good. It is good. But I'm just dealing with this sin called pornography. You know, I'm just dealing with this, John. And so I told him about it. And he was just like, Jay, I've been suffering myself. And what you're doing is, is helping me. So it's that accountability to a friend you don't even know is going through things. You could wear a good mask. And I wasn't intending to put on a good mask or a good show. It's not, honestly. But when you're dealing with it, you're putting on a, a show because it's secret. And yep. you're ashamed to tell people. And so there's been a few other friends as well, also within the church, that uh, said they've had to deal with it. And they're talking to their wives and it's good to hear that you're open about it because the more men talk about it openly the more that the sin is being exposed excellent so it is good that you know talking to other guys i don't talk to women about it because that's a women to a women thing i don't want to open up a can of worms because that could lead down a path that's evolving emotions with emotions and i'm not talking pornography with women i'm talking with men who got real issues like I had, like I'm working through, and it's good supportive. You know, we pray for one another. Mm -hmm. So I got two more questions for you. Um, this one, uh, take as long as you want, um, but don't take five years. Uh, <laughs> what do you do on your worst day? Like, you know, tell me, like, yeah, what, what would you do on your worst day? Like, how would you answer that question? I don't even know. I mean, I need to think about that for myself, but that's a question I have for you. On my worst day at the moment, I'm finding I'm, I'm eating. I'm eating. eating? Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking on my worst day, when, when I've got pressures for the business, when I've got finances that need to be dealt with, when I'm doing with new programs in work, um, targets, deadlines, when I feel that stress, um, I find that I'm eating. And... I'm beating myself up because I'm trying to do fitness, lose weight, tone up and things. So my, my bad day is at the moment I'm having to deal with eating and I'm thinking it's stress eating. But, but anyway, I mean, that that works for you. That keeps you peace because, you know, I'd rather you have like three or four pounds than than be unhealthy uh, all over in every other way. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's, it's a positive thing. It is. Okay. Okay. But it's it's like so it's eating. You know, you can yeah. eat popcorn, you know, if, if, if it's working the jaws, you know, maybe, maybe that's what it is. Yeah, I, I only like this. Or maybe some popcorn. invisible eating. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll try that one, Joe. All right. So I've asked this question, like, you don't know, but I, I did radio like years ago. And it seemed to be a good question to ask people. So I'm going to ask you. So let's assume nobody heard anything that we had to say. Nothing at all. What one thing would you want the people that are listening right now to know about the recovery journey? One thing, blimey. 
if 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 you were to sum that up, like if you know, like, yeah. and it, it isn't one thing in in what we're talking about, and that's the problem. Don't ever think that it's you know for the person trying to recover that it's going to be okay. like one gem. Yeah. It's not going to be one gem. It's going to be yeah, a there, whole bunch there, of there gems many, many Yeah. So it, what if there was something that you 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 definitely wanted us to know? Like for me, I want you to know that recovery is a journey. I want you to know that recovery is a reversal of 2,500 hours worth of work. I want you to know that you're addicted to five chemicals and that's what the recovery process is about. So for you in that same line of thinking, what one thing is it that you do want us to know? Um, there are several things that you've, you've just hit on the I'll head. tell you so what, why don't you hit this? Why don't you uh, not listen to me and just do the several things, do it that way. So I, I would, it is hard to expose yourself to your wife or your partner. It, it is hard. That's the hardest thing. Um, so I would probably say if you're not at that point, get somebody that you can talk with, whether it's a friend, a pastor, somebody you can find with who've got some good materials and resources that can support you in your journey and at some point if you dealt with it great move forward strongly um if you've got a wife that's going to be graceful and loving and you know that that's going to be another good thing to have in your life but that is that is a big challenge and that's a big ask for a wife or partner to to support you through that but i can't tell you to do that but i would say definitely get help from people that have either been there or who are strong and can be accountable with um, and they can give you the advice because they would hopefully would know you and your partner, your family situation, and they can give you the advice as to when or suggest when to talk about things with your partner or wife. But it is it is a tall, tall thing to do. And that's what all I could do, God, I can't change my life. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm failing, failing, failing. Let my wife find hate, let her find out, but let her have grace. And that, that, honestly, when she found out, I bricked, I bricked myself. I did my load, but it was such a relief to know that she knew. And we've gone on this journey and we're going, we're still on this journey. We are still on this journey and it's a good journey together. And it, it, it builds your relationship. Um, Songs of Solomon, there's a garden there and it's got to be tended to. And the garden, if it's not tended to, those weeds come and choke the life of your marriage. And we got to take those weeds out. And a marriage is a two-way thing. You and your wife, you and your partner got to work it through. And at some point, I'm not saying go and talk to your wife. So please, him, I'm not saying do that. But please get some help with somebody that you really do trust and can guide you through this. Thank you, Jason. That's uh, that's pretty pretty huge stuff. And, uh, you know, it's funny. you You... I think we created magic, sir. Uh, I told you we were going to create create magic, and you know, um, we did. So thank you for stopping by. I, I mean, I, 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 it definitely turned out, as far as I'm concerned, uh, better than I thought it would turn out. Uh, it just everything just worked out perfectly on that interview. I would um, encourage anybody that's listening to it that's struggling with addiction right now to go back and, and, and listen to what Jason was talking about, because, um, you know, 
it's not something that happens immediately. It's something that it happens as a process. And as I said before, you know, it's a reversal of, of 2,500 to 7,500 hours worth of committed effort to obtaining and earning an addiction. And that's a weird word, earning an addiction. But yeah, you earned an addiction. And therefore, you have to earn recovery. Yeah. You can't just get recovery. It just isn't going to happen. And so I, I am really privileged and honored, uh, number one, to uh, know you. Number two, to work with you. Um, because it is something that it's tough. And, and, and I almost laugh at people when they want to do it on their own because I see people that have the best tools in the world and yet it's still a challenge for them. So how are you, how is somebody that doesn't even know the five, five chemicals they're addicted to, let alone how to spell them, how are they going to get unaddicted? It's not, it's not possible. It's not possible at all. And so, um, again, thank you for participating and really sharing that you know this is something that anybody could have anybody could be part of this you know yeah, there's nothing you, you don't have to to feel bad about that it happened you don't need to you know the, i'm a, i'm 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 a not i'm a not feel bad zone here like there's nothing to feel bad about it's only stuff that you got to fix or accept yeah there's nothing to feel bad because as long as I feel bad, the only thing I can do is make it worse. Feeling bad is a suffering state. And I've chosen that I'm not going to suffer no more. I've suffered enough in my life. Why do I need to deliberately go out and suffer? I got people out here every which corner that they can find trying to figure out a way to make me suffer. Why does the world need my help? I call that self-bitching. And this is a no self-bitching zone. So, Jason, thank you very much for stopping by the No Self Bitch Zone. I'm Joseph F. Price, your host. Thank you, Joe. Joe thank is, you, Joe. Uh, what they call me. Thank you, Jason. I really appreciate it. And so, as I end every show, it's 2,500 hours you've got to reverse. Your real addiction is masturbation. It's causing you to do porn. You're getting tricked every which way to do porn. Because you need to have enough strength to chill out on the masturbation enough so that your body resets itself and you can begin a new journey. And that's the journey that we're talking about in the recovery process. So until next time, drive with care, walk with caution. Please hit like, please hit subscribe. Please tell a friend, please do something magnificent today with your life. This is not a practice. This is not a scrimmage. There is no instant replays. This is life, folks. So play to win and make every day count. Don't worry about everything. Just be concerned about making the rest of your life a life full of you making the right next move. Don't worry about every move. Just make the right next move. Right. You right. You make the right next move for two years, and let's see where you end up. Awesome.
Wonderland. Until next time, drive with care and walk with caution.